0: Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together.
1: Welcome to lesson 10. We're going to do today the second half of Romans chapter 6 verses 15 through 23. I divided chapter 6 into two halves because these two lessons are actually two of the most important that we'll do in the book of Romans. Today we're going to talk or continue talking about what it means to live a life that is committed to Jesus Christ as Lord. What does that life look like? What hinders us living that life? That's what we're going to talk about in the next uh, in this week and in the next. So just a reminder, remember, Paul is teaching a church in Rome that is consists of, I should say, both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And they are going about the process of their sanctification in different ways. It is difficult for both of them to give up what they knew in their past life, to come to living a new way of life, a reborn way of life, sanctified and living according to the words of Jesus. The Jewish Christians tended to lean heavily on the words they were raised with from the Old Covenant. While that was still true, it was not the method anymore. The Old Covenant wasn't the method of being right with God. The Gentile Christians, very little in their lives that they knew before translated into the Christian church this was one of the most difficult topics that paul had to address in every church he ever established and so they literally had to think through this carefully their family relationships had changed their friendships had changed their social lives had changed oftentimes their jobs had to change the food they ate was different Uh, the social behaviors were, that were acceptable before, were not necessarily acceptable or unacceptable anymore. So I want to give you a challenge as we start this lesson. Those who hear me teach in person have heard me say this several times. I usually bring this up once or twice every year I teach, and I give them what I call my five-minute rule. And it is simply this. I wondered what a sanctified life looks like in a social situation. And here's what I came up with. I think that when you walk into any social situation, there should be a five-minute rule. It really should never take longer than five minutes for people to know, okay, that person's different. Uh, that person's a Christian. My husband and I play this game at uh, airports quite often. We literally can pick out Christians by just watching and looking at their choices. It's a pretty good rule to live by in our own lives. It gives us perspective. If within five minutes, at least one person in the room needs to know you're a Christian, it might be the way you dress It might be the smile on your face. It might be the act of service you did for someone else in the room. It may just be a conversation. And listen, I give this five-minute rule to you knowing that that's easier for me. I am married to a preacher. All I have to do is introduce my husband, and the five-minute rule is done. So I understand it's difficult uh, sometimes in some situations. But if you walk in that door thinking, okay, I have five minutes. I have five minutes to make sure that people in this room know that Jesus is my Lord. How are you going to do that? Let's look at Paul's statements today. What does a sanctified life look like? How Should we live in such a way that the people around us know that Jesus is our Lord? First of all, as in last week's lesson, have you made the commitment to serve Jesus? Not just to accept him as your Savior, but to then be raised, to walk differently. Not as somebody in need of his salvation, but somebody who wants to serve Christ because of it. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. That's what Paul is saying. That's our commitment. Shall we sin because we're not under the law? Shall we live however we want to because God's grace has covered every sin? I put it this way. Do we live counting on grace or trying not to need it very often? To me, that's the choice of living the life that reflects the fact we have been saved. None of us are ever going to live it perfectly. But if your goal is to not need God's grace on a regular basis (laughs) with every choice, you'll start making choices that are more in line with Jesus. So Paul begins with this universal truth at the end of chapter 6. He says in verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. These are really important verses and they're not very often preached because rightfully we have an aversion to the word slavery. And it appears that Paul is uh, okay with slavery in this passage. Slavery was a reality of his culture. I will also say this, slavery is never applauded by scripture. It is never condoned by scripture. It is used as an illustration. And one other fact, if you look carefully at this passage, it says, do you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, part of this culture was that you would become an indentured servant slash slave to people. We would call it contractual servitude we a person would agree to serve for this number of years and then their family would be given this over here that was a very normal common practice in this culture and that's probably what paul is referring to here There were slaves that were owned as if they were property. I won't deny that. It's never condoned in scripture. In this instance, it's what you offer your life to do. And Paul's saying, you are the slaves of the one you choose or offer yourself to, to obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You can offer yourself to a sinful way of life or you can offer yourself to obedience to god that's the life that leads to righteousness a life that is right with god righteousness depends on whom we enslave ourselves to when you made jesus lord you signed a contract with him and that contract is not just that he's your savior it's that you also have given him permission to be your Lord, your master. That's what Paul is teaching here. Paul says, but thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin. Before your salvation, you used to be slaves to sin. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You used to be controlled by your sin nature. That used to be the nature that made, that drove your choices. But here's an important phrase you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching. I would spend the rest of my time on this one verse if I could. In this culture, in this period of history, They knew enough science to know that the heart was the organ that ran the entire body. When the heart stopped, the person was dead. What Paul is saying, you obey from your heart, the center of everything that gives you life and abilities. And you obey the pattern of teaching. It's What motivates us? There's a reason I get out of bed to teach Bible. I am driven by a verse from Hosea, where God told the prophet, my people suffer from lack of knowledge. I remember when I suffered from lack of knowledge. I didn't know God's word. I knew things about God's word. I knew some of God's word. It wasn't until I began to study, not words about the Bible, but I studied the Bible, God's word. That's when my life really began to change and grow and become stronger. I don't think Bible study is an option for the Christian life. We're either going to obey the pattern of teaching— from God's word, or we're going to obey other influences in the world. And honestly, our culture calls a lot of small g gods master. Paul wrote, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. The master wants to control our choices. But there's a reason why. It's because he wants you to be right with God. Almost everything in our culture today is going to call us away from making the Lord our master, from making choices that are right with God. Again, if you measure yourself by the culture, the lower the standards in the culture go, the lower your standards for faith will go as well. We don't measure ourselves according to others in the world. We measure ourselves according to the standard that God gave us, the pattern of his teaching. Why? Because we want to be righteous. We want to be right with God when he returns. Why did she... Paul choose to use slavery as an example? He tells us in verse 19, he says, I'm using an example from everyday life. I want to pause and tell you that's one of the most effective teaching, witnessing techniques anyone can use. By using examples from your everyday life, you don't prove what God has said, you prove what God has done. And so he says, I'm using an example you can understand from your everyday life because of your human limitations. Jesus did that too. That's why Jesus told parables. He told, he was speaking mostly to people who didn't have a formal education at all. And so he used moments from their everyday life to apply a spiritual principle to really good way to share the gospel of the Lord. He said, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. He said, "You used to live in your old life, according to people who said you shouldn't, shouldn't do this, you can and can't do this, and yet their basis of opinion and truth wasn't scripture." Um, I have a, there's a well known talk show host that I have always had a love hate relationship with. She developed a phrase that caught on she would look at someone she disagreed with and she would say, well, that's your personal truth. And I would literally sit there and cringe. There is no such thing as personal truth. There's only truth. And you make it personal or not. Truth is what God's word says. You can offer yourself to the opinions of the world That would be personal truth. Or you can offer yourself to God's word, which is the truth. Why? Because we want to be slaves to whatever it is that's going to lead to us being righteous and to living a holy life. The word holiness is another word for sanctified. Sanctified means set apart, being made holy. Human nature has always tended to be our master until we allow God that privilege. And our human nature will always be a significant influence in our lives. Paul writes: When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. If you You ever wonder or look around at sometimes what you see on the news or uh, pictured in different places and you think, how do people do that? How do people think that's okay? Well, they don't have a perspective of what God's called them to be. When you're slaves to sin, you're free from a sense of right and wrong. You're free from a sense of being controlled or influenced by a higher standard. Paul says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. When you see things on your TV set or in the streets or anywhere else and you think, how can they think that's okay? Understand why they can think it's okay. Understand that without Jesus, you might have thought it was okay. Maybe at one time you did. But now with Jesus, the things that you once thought were okay, you now feel ashamed of. I like to rephrase Paul's words here. Uh, When you were free from the control of righteousness, what benefit did you reap? What did your life produce? I like Dr. Phil's statement where he always says, Well, how's that working for you? If you live with sin, ask yourself, Well, how's it working for you? I've often told people, You don't want to ever come to me for counseling because I get there really quickly. I go straight to, Well, tell me what in your life God is able to bless. I've spoken and counseled with people who are living together before marriage. And the relationship's getting rocky. It's not working really well. And I'll look at them and say, okay, tell me what about your dating relationship? God is so able to bless. And usually the reaction is physical, especially if they're Christians, because they already know they have the mind of Christ. They've been given the Holy Spirit of God. They know it's not what Jesus would want them to do but they made that choice themselves. Look at your life, what's God able to bless? What hinders his blessing? It really boils down to that. Those are the areas where you know you're controlled by the spirit and not controlled by the spirit. What is the Christian commitment? It is to allow God to control your life, uh, to be the primary influence, and have the final say on all of your choices. That's our commitment to Christ. When we made him our Savior, we also made him our Lord. Paul writes, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. You know if you're going to inherit heaven. Do you also know that the way you live your life here on earth is going to reflect how your rewards will be given to you in heaven? There are rewards for what we've done with our earthly lives. There is a reason to rise up and live The best life you know to live right now. There are rewards practically in our lives. I'll go back to my previous illustration. One of the things that I have seen in my 30 plus years, almost 40 now, of doing ministry is that there are more and more and more young people who live as married when they're not. They have not stood before the altar and made a covenant with one another and their father. Until that moment, they aren't married, but they live as married. Why does that matter? Because God says, this marriage needs to be with me. It needs to be a commitment to each other and to me. That's what marriage is. What happens when we get out of order and live as married when we're not? Many, many times marriages happen because that's been a part of the relationship. The sexual relationship has been part of the relationship before it ever was supposed to be. And they end up more connected to one another than God would have wanted them to be. And as a result, the marriage isn't always what God would have chosen for their life. Can God redeem it? Absolutely. Would God have chosen that? No. Did they miss some blessing because they got out of order? Yes. That's the truth of God's word. So, not saying that to cause guilt. If I did, then do what's necessary to be free of that guilt. Repent and let Jesus forgive that in your life. Redeem it for a greater good. I'm just saying that to protect your kids in the house. Speak up, be clear, be bold, be set apart, and teach them to be holy, to live holy lives now. The culture's not going to do that. The culture is going to give them permission to sin. Teach them that when they make Jesus Lord, they give him the right to control and influence their decisions. Why? Because he wants them. To be holy he wants to bless their lives i used to often tell my boys make the choice that god is most able to bless and you'll be good paul says there's always a price to pay for what we receive in our earthly lives he said for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord But let me pause and emphasize something here. Paul is talking about living a sanctified life on earth and why that's so important. And he says, the wages of sin is death. I can say one of the most difficult lessons we learn in this whole year is this one. And so I want to do this well. And I want to tell you right now what I'm about to say really matters. As a saved Christian, yes, you are promised the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus has paid the wages. What you earned, Jesus paid it. You earned condemnation. Jesus paid that cost. So what does that verse mean to you? Is it still important to you? Yes. The wages of sin is death. When we sin, the death may not be our eternal life. It might mean someone else's. But the gift you and I can give, you and I can share, the gift we can be to this world, to our families, to our friendships, the gift we can be through the power of Jesus Christ in our lives, is to exhibit the grace in our lives, to exhibit the spirit of God in our lives. It's the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. When you lead someone to the Lord, you have given them the free gift you received. Consequences are the lesson we most struggle to teach our kids. It is a constant reality for every day of our daily life. For every choice we make, there's consequence. And so Paul's sobering lesson for today, we might say we're saved and therefore we don't have to worry about our sins just because we've been guaranteed eternal life. But Paul would say to us today, that is true, you are saved. Once saved, always saved. But what if you aren't the person who pays the wages for your sins? Jesus paid for ours. What if someone else pays? Because we don't choose to live the life God has called us to live. And so, I want all of us, myself included, all of us, to think on that today. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God, the gift God wants to give through your life to others, is eternal life. So, our commitment to Christ is to not allow our freedom in Christ to enslave anyone else in their sin. We are called and should be committed to living a sanctified life, a life that is being made holy through the power of Jesus. Galatians 5.25 is one of my life verses. Paul wrote, since we live by the Spirit, since we have been given eternal life by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. It is the picture of soldiers marching in perfect union, or two people completely synchronized together in a beautiful dance. Since we live because of Jesus, since we live through the power of his Holy Spirit in our life, let's choose to dance with the Holy Spirit. Let's choose to keep in step, making every move as he leads. A sanctified life is simply that, a life that allows Jesus
0: to lead the dance. We are so grateful that you tuned in to today's episode of Grounded in Truth. Our greatest blessing is knowing that God is using this ministry's teaching to help people know and understand God's Word and how they can apply the truth of Scripture to their lives each and every day. Our ministry depends solely on the support of donors. We are able to give this study to people everywhere because people have blessed us through their gifts. If you are able, would you please consider helping us continue to write and produce Bible study for others? Please know that all donations will be used to continue providing free content that is grounded in God's truth for as many people as possible. You can make your contribution at foundationswithjanet.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your help. We'll see you next week.